0: This is the Media Week Industry Podcast from the people at mediaweek.com.au. Welcome to a new Media Week Podcast. We're going to be talking investment in uh, movies and TV today. And who better to start that uh, discussion with than Graham Mason, the Chief Executive Officer of, Officer of Screen Australia. Welcome, Graham. Thank you very much.
1: Nice to be here. Now, you've been doing this job for a little while, haven't you? I oh, know. Well, sometimes during COVID, I have to say, it did feel like we we're all in Groundhog Day and it was a bit of a loop. Um, you know, there's cycles of hell, but um, and I don't mean that with the best respect. Yeah, I've been here a little while and um, I guess also luckily I've had sort of quite a long history of working here and around the world. So probably that came in good stead as I was trying to work out with our staff here how to help the best we could, the sector to keep going through 2020.
0: Yeah. Now, I think you've worked in the UK, you've worked in um, uh, New Zealand, I think you've probably worked in the US as well. Um, how does Australia shape up? Do we have a very different system of production and funding to, to other major markets?
1: I think we've certainly got a different way of funding. Um, production, you know, I would, of course, because maybe I'm biased, but I would say our crew, our facilities, houses, Obviously our actors, our producers, we're really pretty extraordinary. And I do actually mean that because I think what I've always felt and other international people say to me too is that we're a nation of problem solvers. So what we find here is the productions, wherever you are, whether you're the runner or whether you're the boss of the whole thing, you're trying to work out to stop a problem from happening. Whereas in some other places, they might have a solution but you walk into the problem first. So, but then another things that we're probably talking about today is we are incredibly supported. I know some people maybe don't always recognise it by governments, you know, so the federal government who I work for, um, you know, we've got a lot of great things. We've got the ABC, we've got SBS, we've got NITV. We've got obviously offsets across various things in film and television, which unlike anywhere except for New Zealand, vest in the producer. So that helps them build businesses. We fund, the federal government also funds the Film and Television Radio School. It contributes to NIDA, you know, which has turned out an enormous amount of not just actors, but set designers and stuff. And then you've also got the state governments, so who also play an enormous role in local and international projects here. So there's a big ecosystem of funding support to ensure that Australian stories get told and Australian storytellers develop to tell stories too, whether they be here or overseas. And, you know, with my international background, we exist really because of Australian culture, but we also exist to ensure that there are those storytellers on and off screen coming through for now and future generations.
0: um, You mentioned the state funding bodies and they've been around for quite a while, but it almost seems there's a bit more competition between the states now, which is probably a good thing for the overall sector, is it, that they they all want to be seen to be reasonably aggressive, trying to attract productions and and get more um,
1: productions in their various states? I think a big thing is obviously, you know, we've seen everything in the last few months, haven't we, where... Mm -hmm. You have to remind yourself about federation because the states own um, interested there. But I would say in our sector, I think everyone's been amazing in COVID. And, you know, I've been on weekly calls or fortnightly calls with all the heads of the state agencies. They have been so spectacularly collaborative and working to ensure, number one, that productions can work. So we've all been sharing information. Um, so The unity that our sector showed is really exemplary and probably would be a good example to other people, perhaps.
0: Yeah. And you make a great point too when you said about overall government support, it doesn't start and stop just with Screen Australia. There's a variety of ways they contribute. Um, Just looking at your finances, look, in general round terms, I think the last years for your last most recent report you get and spend a little bit over 90 million dollars
1: yeah with this two key things that screen australia looks after particularly in terms of cold hard money um so we're spending in that you know 90s to 100 million you know money coming in and out for direct investment whether that be into development of stories or investment into projects, grants or investments. And then, of course, the other one we do is we administer and run the producer offsets for both film and television, So, which is more in the 200-ish range a year. Yeah. Um, so we look after both those things really on behalf of two key groups, the federal government who gives us the money and the sector, which is we're trying to help them grow and develop as we're talking about here.
0: Tell me, explain to me and the listeners the difference between a
1: a grant and a loan or investment. Yep. So traditionally what we do is anything under about, well, we brought it in a few years ago, anything under a $500,000 sum of money we would give out as a grant and if the Amount of money we give out is more than five hundred thousand. It traditionally becomes an investment, so we would take a position in the recoupment structure of that film or TV show. Um, and if there is money is coming back in, then we would participate in that. It's not hard and fast. There is some variations to that. Sometimes, if we give a lower sum of money, it still might still be an investment. And the rationale behind the grant is. Where there's a small sum of money, and I know to some listeners, you know, they might think three, four, five hundred thousand is not a small sum, but where it is just better and more efficient to just add that on, you know, to the producers or the productions financing thing rather than add the complication of all the legals and financial and long tail of recoupment that would need be needed in that. So that's the distinction normally between a grant. Or an investment where you would participate in the success.
0: What's the? Um, is there something like it's um, in the history of the organisation? Is there a single best investment And you go, wow, this this one, this one really, you know, really, we really did well out of this.
1: Well, I guess there's probably a few of those you could think about. And again, for the listeners, you know, Screen Australia was formed in two thousand eight by merging of of what we call the legacy agencies. And I think back in, uh, I had the privilege to be involved in a different capacity with a a film we were involved with um, where, you know, the, the pitch was actually, I was in a different job and a director and a producer came to see the company I was working with, working title in the UK. And what they were pitch, pitching was the idea about some, drag queens and a transsexual on a bus going through the desert. And we invested in that, but, you know, through a company Polygram that I was working for. Uh-huh. And of course the FFC invested. Now that can, was a very, very successful investment. And it was great to work with Stefan Elliott and Rebel Penfold Russell and those people on that all those years ago. Um, of course we were part of Seesaw's Lion, which is a great thing to do, but I'd also suggest, because our principle is not about money, if it was about money, we'd be a very different agency. We sometimes get accused of being a studio or studio-like. And having been a senior executive in a Hollywood studio, I can tell you we're nothing like a studio. But I also look at eyeballs, which is a different return, horrible expression, but the number of people who consume or look at our content. So when you look at... Particularly some of the things we do online where for not very much money and these people are getting millions, if not tens of millions of views of their content here and around the world, that's an extraordinary return for the Australian taxpayer as well as, of course, helping all those people involved onto next things in their careers. And we have those every single year.
0: Yeah, you've, you have some interesting investments, I think some couple of YouTubers have, who have some pretty big followings, don't you, I think, in the past.
1: Yeah, I mean, we're very famous for, you know, I get laughed at because I talk about them a lot. But, I mean, I love the fact that we still do a lot of traditional film, traditional telly, whether that be scripted or unscripted or kids. But, you know, the Racker Raka, um, Twins from Adelaide, you know, 1.3, 1.4 billion views of their content. Um, we work with Wenji, same thing. Uh, the most highest trending things on YouTube in Australia. in I want to say 2017 and 2019 weren't carpool karaoke or sneezing cat videos. It was super wog. Again, two brothers from here in Sydney doing their own take on their comedic take on their own family or lives you know, the number one trending thing on YouTube in Australia. That's pretty extraordinary. And we're delighted to have worked with the boys as they went on to make one series. And they've got a second series filming now, which will go out on the ABC sometime in 2021 and also will continue to work on their own platform. And what I love about that for listeners is to realise at all times we're working out, where is the audience for your content? is it in the same way that it always was back in the day when I started off when when I was a kid and there was only a couple of channels and you'd go to the movie theatres quite a lot? They still exist, but obviously there's a lot more avenues and it might be a mix and match of some of those. And that's what we really encourage people to look at. And I know I'm jumping all over the show here, probably ruining all your questions.
0: (laughs) No, that's fine. That's fine. You mentioned you don't judge based on you know commercial criteria but i guess you you do you look at the pitch document has that got to have some strategy for how this will get seen or a potential market for it i
1: think it's one of the biggest failings that i see is literally that I think probably it's because people have spent so long thinking of the creative bit of their idea. And again, whether it be film, telly or online or whatever it is, if you can't explain to us who you're hoping will enjoy this or be moved by this or learn from this or or challenged by this and how you're going to get to them, then you're not doing your full job because Making the thing is, I hate to say, it's only just the very first part of the, the war, you know, and I say this a lot. I look at some really successful things, like some documentaries have been brilliant at it. Um, Good Pitch was an amazing um, initiative which Ian Darling and the Shark Island Institute ran here, and they paired up lots of interested people to work on documentaries from way before they were complete. So you had people putting in money, but also people working out how to connect it to the immediate interested people, people who'd be interested in that topic, but how to broaden it out, how to blow up from that. Um, another example, just in the top of my head, I was talking to Joel Perlman at Village Roadshow, who've got amazing success at the moment with films, Australian Films Out. And they did a campaign on The Dry, the number one film in Australia at the moment, but they did a TikTok campaign to try and encourage the younger Australian audience to come to that movie. So they worked out a different audience and how to get to them. And that's what we want to see, whether you're a small project or a big project, knowing who you're speaking to and how you're going to get to them.
0: If I'm a producer and I try to get a a grant or investment from Screen Australia... What do I get as the answer? Do, what more than a yes or a no do I get
1: back? I mean, I guess it varies because I think it's one of the interesting things that people probably don't understand the volume of stuff that comes into us. We get thousands, literally thousands of applications a year. Wow. Um You know, you can get. I was thinking, I was talking to both the scripted and documentary teams yesterday. And then just in the feature land, I think in feature documentaries, there was some 20 odd coming in in one round, and probably say maybe a dozen or slightly more feature films. Now, that's for funding. In development, add a zero on it. And that's every single round. So, what we can't do, and I'm really sorry to everyone for this. And I apologise if you've spent 10 years on your idea. Often if you fall at the first hurdle, we are just going to give you a very simple thanks but no thanks. As you move up the, the chain, and this is not about who you know, this is about how much your story rings bells for us, you'll get slightly more feedback. But it's only really if you're in development with us or you've got a long way down the line that you'll be able to get real feedback just because of the sheer volume.
0: Have there people who've been persistent and gone, come back again and again and and eventually ended up with quite a successful project?
1: That does happen. I mean, I'm aware that there is a film coming through at the moment, I don't believe it's been announced yet, but that we are very supportive of and I hope it's going to go into production imminently that has been around in us and the state agencies for 19 years. Wow. (laughs) So they've taken 19 years, they've come and gone, they haven't given up, and it is now about to go into production. Mm -hmm. Nothing to do with Australia, but I had the joy or honour, you know, quite some time ago uh, being involved in a project, and this is like I'm talking 15, 19, 20 years ago, that went on to become the favourite, the film The Favourite. But, you know, it wasn't that when I was involved in it in 2000 and 2002. So sometimes you've got to work out how you keep going. And crucially, though, people listening should also realise at what point do you cut and run and put it away? But also don't just think of Screen Australia, I've just got to get Screen Australia or a state agency over the line. Most countries don't have us investing the way we have. Most projects would still get made without us here in Australia and certainly overseas. In the US, there is no screen Australia. There is no offsets. So if you believe enough in your thing, you should be also looking at other ways to get it made outside of us. To
0: my way of thinking, and this might be different to what you just sort of said, but does much get made without a grant or an investment in in drama and the documentary?
1: It was actually very interesting. I did have a call the other day with a a producer who's just made an independent Australian feature again, scripted feature, and he asked that same question because he thought he he was interested to know why we would have turned them down, and he was very surprised when I said... We were probably in, say, in the mid to high teens in terms of investing in feature films a year. That's direct funding, not the offset. And I said in a normal year, there's somewhere between 65 and 100 Australian films made and released. So we're only in between, you know, a third at best. So most, more films get made without us than with us.
0: It's staggering that number of Australian movies when you put it like that because, I mean, a lot of people would think, oh, I've seen a, let's say I go to four or five Aussie movies a year. I think
1: I saw most of them, you know. <laughs> it's, um, it is a, it's actually another fascinating thing I get on my bandwagon now, my soapbox, sorry, everybody, <laughs> that people sometimes say to me, I get very cross when I speak to not great journalists like yourself, but oh. some saying... Um, oh, there's so many Australian films or TV shows that aren't as good as we thought they could have been or they're a little bit weak or soft. And I say, you're comparing us to the five British films that you did see in the year, whereas, of course, you're forgetting there was 300 made, whereas, of course, in Australia, all our films are here, our TV shows are here, our online stuff is here, so you see it all. So you're not thinking through that, winnowing process the filtration process um but yeah there is an awful lot made every year
0: do commercial broadcasters use you in some way as a vetting service i mean they if if a project hasn't you know got a bit of a stamp from you do they think and maybe quite rightly look nah if screen australia is not interested we probably not either i
1: think um we have a very interesting relationship with all our the partners who actually take the content to audiences, and it's very different on each medium. Um, the commercial, the networks, whether they be commercial or um, public, obviously they have a lot of data on their audience. Hmm. So I think what you would normally find, they're polite and interested in what we think creatively, but I think they're much more interested normally in what we think about um, whether we're going to put any money in, and whether we see what they see about the potential reach of that show, so um, we have a very constructive relationship with all the networks. And as I said, pay free streaming, um, but yeah, I think it's it. I think there's probably a little less of. They understand. They would say certainly if they were on the call that they understand their audiences and understand them well.
0: Yeah, but you're on the front line, really, aren't you? Because you're the first portal of call. You mentioned Australian cinemas going through a bit of a boom at the moment. There's some some big revenues for some great movies. Um, do you look at that? And go, well, that's great. But then you think, well, actually, in a few months <laughs> we're going to get a flood of more projects because everybody's seen this and think, hello audiences are, are up for it you know but um, doesn't necessarily mean things will turn
1: around completely, does it? No and I think it's uh, I mean I do think that is a really key thing that we recognize that everything there's peaks and troughs. I was on the record for many of the listeners might know that we for decades have put out something called the drama report, which is a just a piece of research on literally how much drama got made in film television online. Um, And we just put that out. And I was saying very clearly when it went out a few months ago, I didn't want people looking at 2020 in isolation because I almost thought people needed to look at 2020 and 21 together to get a true picture. It's the same at the moment. We have the amazing situation that some of the days this week, we have had the top three films at the box office. So we've got, you know, um, The Dry at number one, Penguin Bloom at number two, and High Ground at number three. And then there's even a fourth Australian film, an independent film, Operation Rainfall, in the top ten as well. That's extraordinary. And then there's a couple of others that are still in the list. What I wouldn't set as a rod from my own back to promise you or anyone else that we'll have that every month because just isn't how it works. You know, there'll be some other films come through that are aimed at a very small audience and that's what they'll be doing. Or there'll be the huge, there'll be a big blockbuster from Hollywood, which will take all the oxygen out of the world. You know, so we do things for a variety of reasons, but as I say, I'm, you know, I'm thrilled about those four Australian films. I'm thrilled that we've got the documentary Bangara coming out imminently too. So that's again for a different audience, and fulfilling a different cultural and creative need.
0: Graham, Australian drama on television—I know that drama gets consumed lots of different ways, but the the biggest single audiences, I guess, with the odd exception for a, a, a an online drama thing that might take off for some for some reason. Um, we're probably never going to see drama at seven thirty again, mm-hmm. and. So there, it's if you like, I mean, niche programming's wrong because it's it just moves a little bit later in the time slot, I guess. It can still do some pretty big audiences. But I'm guessing there's a similar amount of drama still getting made, but it's going out on sub, um, subscription, it's going out on streaming platforms. Is that correct?
1: I mean, I think it's true. We have so much drama going out and something I'm delighted by because, like you just mentioned, it is still the way to reach the biggest widest Australian audience very quickly um, is the television networks pay free um, and the commercials and of course I was thrilled that even during COVID I think every single one of them have had shows being made or made which they're now going to release in 2021 so across all those television entities, whatever anyone's thinking of. And that makes me very happy. And you've had, you know, whether it be um, five bedroom series two, which got shut down in Melbourne during COVID, but they came back and finished. And that's a great show for 10, which, you know, I'm thrilled they've done two series on. You had Stateless and Mystery Road series two, both on the ABC. One of them, Mystery Road, the New York Times said was in its top, list of TV shows of the year globally and stateless sells to Netflix to take it out around the world after the ABC and it's seen everywhere. So I'm thrilled by how those dramas are resonating with Australian audiences still, whether it be catch up, whether it be live to air, whether it be then secondarily on the streaming platform from that network or a partner And then, of course, going internationally, um, Secret She Keeps, another one, huge success here at home in Australia for Lingo and then the production company. And then, of course, it then goes out on the BBC in prime time. And my understanding is it was the sixth most watched show on the BBC iPlayer in the quarter. Now, that's amazing for a company based here in Australia to make that show. Yeah, you, you've mentioned a couple of cracking productions
0: there—that um, Mystery Road and um, the different ver- the different seasons and the sort of uh, connected TV movies. What a wonderful franchise that is! And a quick plug for your Screen Australia podcast. I think you've done recently one with Bunya Productions, uh, David and Greer. We also did one with uh, David, and also the Secret She Keeps. You know what? Um, well, wonder what a wonderful show that was. Um, that. What's your outlook for 2021? I mean, you said, you know, we shouldn't look at years in isolation, but it seems to me there's a. People are really going to be sort of taking advantage of hopefully better production um, environment with less COVID restrictions and sort of going to be locking away as much content as they can this year with worrying about what might happen in the future.
1: I think an interesting thing is that we've gone from the terrible moment last year where we had everything shut down pretty much. Well, documentaries kept going. They were amazing and animation kept going, but scripted really shut. And then with things like neighbors getting back up and getting running. And as I said, five bedrooms or Wakefield or picking themselves back up and getting going. So you've now got a premium on getting crew and facilities because everybody's working. Now, that's an extraordinary nice thing for someone in my position who's trying to encourage production and creativity. Um, But I think you're right. There is so much getting made and banked now across everything we do. Um, I think it's an exciting moment.
0: Yeah. A couple of quick things to finish on. You mentioned productions and the amount that will get made this year is you hear a lot of people saying, oh, we can't get studio space. It's, it's hard to get made. As the industry needs some, I don't know whether it needs investment or just needs to recalibrate and the, the, the facilities we have to support, the the sort of demand audiences have for things to get
1: made? I mean, it's a great question. And again, so everyone knows that I we had this conversation with all the heads of the state and territory agencies. And I've had this conversation even as of this morning with Matt Deener at SPA at Screen Producers, and we were talking about this and we're thinking about, we're talking to the department and we're also talking to our minister's office. How do we encourage development and training of personnel to come through to use this opportunity of a lot of stuff coming through? Yes, so if you've got that one DOP you really want, well, maybe you're not going to get it. Is there a second or a third choice that we can really help elevate and get them up and bring in people underneath? That's a really big priority for me. And I'm also, we're also looking at facilities. What is the way, do we need more studio space? Recognising, again, as we said, peaks and troughs, you don't want to have it idle in a year's time if everything's gone away. But we believe this is a moment for Australia, the whole sector, to continue working together. Let's train up some more people. Let's work on infrastructure as well, because then I think this won't be a boom to feast to famine, I think we can keep it going.
0: Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? And then just just finally, Graham, the quick insight into your job. I mean, it's probably been a bit different this last year because part of your job is getting out there, representing Screen Australia, representing the investments um, being seen at premieres, festivals, things like that. But but a lot of that hasn't happened. <laughs> You've been in the office or working from home a lot more.
1: I mean, it was a totally different thing because again, you're you're totally right. Um, Some people might not appreciate it, that often we are ambassadors for the screen sector. And especially the screen sector is an incredible ambassador for Australia. Mm -hmm. You know, more people know that Hugh Jackman and Chris Hemsworth and Nicole Kidman are Australians than most of our sports stars. Please don't write me in if you come from sports TV. I worked in sports TV too. We often don't play the right sports, but. So we haven't been able to do that. So what we're still working out is different ways of working to ensure we can still promote Australia, that everybody wants to keep working with us. And it, sort of going back to that thing I just said before, because we're all working at full tilt now, it is going to give an opportunity for us to still shine globally where others aren't performing. How do we make that last for years to come? That's what I'm really excited about every morning when I get out of bed.
0: Yeah, and, and a lot of what, how the world interacts via film, it's got direct impacts on things like tourism and, and even, I guess, trade and things like that. Hmm?
1: I mean, there's no surprise that, you know, if you think back in tourism terms, you know, it was Throw Another Shrimp on the Barbie with Paul Hogan, a very famous person. And, of course, Chris Hemsworth is tourism ambassador as we speak. And I think we are an enormous tourism thing. We're also a huge soft diplomacy thing. You know, neighbours is still a global phenomenon around the world, so that helps keep Australia's profile up, and I think that's a great thing.
0: Have you got to keep on tight? How much have you got to try and watch a little bit of everything?
1: I do try and watch a little bit of everything and read a little bit of everything. Um, yeah, it's very lucky at the moment that I love my job, but it is really it is a seven day a week thing.
0: Yeah, and you presumably you've got to be quite disciplined about. It. I know as my role, you think well, you've got to. You pretend to know what you're talking about, but you can't really do that unless you watch it. And Correct. And you're not disciplined. You can it, it can go everywhere, can't
1: it? It can indeed. Yeah. All
0: right, um, Graham Mason, Screen Australia,
1: great to uh, speak to you. Um, keep up the good work. I wish everyone a great 2021.